0: All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We got up against it, but my point was, Josh, for those of you that say it takes a back, right? Hey, listen, you guys could sit here and talk about, oh, the offensive line needs to do this, and I don't care, you need a good back. I've constantly been told by one of the bigger offensive line gurus that I know that he doesn't think Oklahoma State's offensive line is very good. And so in that, you've had a back that against one of the best running offenses in the Big 12 went for 121. Now, 71 of those 121 came on one run. But 136, 168, 282, I mean, Ali Gordon's been incredible. He's been the best back in the league since conference play started. So I guess my question to you, Josh, is it just a matter of one of these guys stepping up and being that dude? Because I I want to say yes, and there is a great example based on what happened in Stillwater. But I do I'm I'm not naive to the point that every everything has to work in conjunction with each other.
1: Yeah, at this point, I'm now assigning more blame I think to the running backs. For the longest time, it was offensive line needs to improve, offensive line needs to improve, and uh, probably that's true. I, I hope that they've found the right combination here. Late in that uh, UCF contest, I think that that could be Oklahoma's most talented five. If you think about Rouse, Green, Rame, Bird, Guyton. But uh, at some point, just you got to be able to read the blocks a little bit and then get to a hole and attack it. It's like the ability to just read the situation for Oklahoma's running backs. They haven't been able to do that, whether it's sometimes you just got to go hit a hole and pick up three or four yards, and other times you got to be patient, wait for blockers, and whatever that symbiotic relationship needs to be, it hasn't happened.
0: <laughs> right. Agreed. Agreed 100%, man. I, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I do. I think I've also fallen into that category of being one of those guys who has started to, to place a little bit more blame on the running backs. Well, let's see one of you guys go be the dude. Let's go. All right, are you ready for the top five stories of the day? Let's. We are at Cavens on a Thursday, and it is time for the top five stories of the day.
1: It's time for the top five stories of the day.
0: Brought to you by Newcastle Casino.
1: Newcastle Casino, where real
0: gamers play.
1: Let's go, man.
0: Newcastle Casino. Uh, located off I-44, exit one oh seven fourteen table games. And we should also add Josh real Sports Bar & Grill, where you can watch all the big games and sit there and play your slots while the games are ongoing, newcastlecasino.com. All right, let's go with big story number five. Number five. Tonight, tonight, the battle series. Oklahoma versus Oklahoma. Who will come away winning? I I'm excited. I'm on the call tonight, so I'm I'm pumped to be back on the call. So they'll move last night's game to tonight. All tickets for the game on Wednesday are valid for tonight. And there are still some tickets available for purchase at Sooner Sports.com slash tickets. Now As far as the Battle Series standings are concerned so far, it's been the Kinsey Hanson Show. Um, And if you're not familiar with the Battle Series point system, it can be a little bit much. (laughs) It can be a little bit of a lot. But there are one, two, there are five team categories. A game win gives you 50 points. An inning win gives you 10. And an MVP 1, 2, or 3 gives you 60, 40, or 20. And then there's tons of individual individual point totals that you could have as well. But the back-to-back-to-back national champs get back at it with the battle series tonight. And I'm not going to lie, Josh, not going to lie, a little over-the-moon pumped to see this team in action tonight. First chance I've had to watch them in person in the fall. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm all in. I'm all in on this evening.
1: What uh, are you most intrigued to watch for?
0: The young pitchers. I want to see how Peyton Monticelli, I want to see how S.J. Guerin, I want to see how Kirsten Deal, I want to see how they've progressed from last year. And then obviously, you know, I want to see Kelly Maxwell and what's different for her after the way things ended in 2023. In Stillwater. And, of course, any chance I get to watch Jada Coleman and Riley Boone and Tiara Jennings, I'm all about it. But 6 o'clock tonight, ESPN Plus, OU in the battle series. I'm glad they're able to get the game in. I'm glad they're able to get the game in. All right, number four. Number four. Are are we in a 24-hour period of silence, it seems like, on this Michigan story right now? seems as if there hasn't been seems as if there hasn't been too much news on old Connor stallions over the last couple of hours. But I feel like I feel like Josh, every single little tidbit that drops is massive. Like for instance, Sports Illustrated obtained texts in which stallions, boasted about his ability to steal signs and his relationship with the michigan staffers stallions talked about it dating back to as far as january and february of 2021 stallions also claimed he became close with their linebackers coach chris partridge and assistant special teams coach jay harbaugh quote the specific act stallions described as deciphering opponents signals off tv footage is not against ncaa rules but the advanced scouting, and the use of electronical equipment is. He's only 28. And I guess we also learned that there is a Michigan manifesto. Stallions claim to have a Google document between 550 to 600 pages long, Josh, that he managed daily, containing a blueprint, a blueprint for the Wolverines' future. He referred to the document as a movement more than a plan, dubbing it the Michigan Manifesto. It gets <laughs> so dirtier by the second. In other words, he's either incredibly insane or he's an incredible nerd. You choose which side you want on that. So I know Michigan can't say anything. I get that. But I also feel like – in. S- You know, in some way, there has to be something, right? There has to be something here to where, I mean, I I know you're not allowed to say anything, and I know you're supposed to stay silent, but in some way, shape, or form, something needs to be said, right? Someone from there has to step up and say something. Kirby Smart was asked about it this week, as we continue to get coaches to talk about this, whenever uh, sign-stealing came up. Oh, uh, that's obviously coming about Michigan. You played Michigan. You aware, in retrospect or at the time, of anything unusual? No, I didn't. I didn't notice anything or know anything. Nobody we talked to, you know, warned us or any of that. I mean, I think everybody we play, they say they steal your signals. I mean, we play somebody, they always like they're great at stealing your signals. But uh, what they're referencing is different than stealing them. I mean, they're they're coming. You know, they're talking about people coming to film them. That's completely different. But we've tried to you know hide the signals, hold the calls put signs up, do all that. But I, I don't I – was nothing I remember about the Michigan game that makes me think that. So uh, one thing that – I know that goes back a couple of years, right? So him getting asked about it would be kind of, I guess you could say, what, Josh, somewhat in the infancy of when this, this, this scheme had been devised, the Michigan manifesto, if you will.
1: Yeah, the early manifesto days.
0: But the Big Ten, according to Adam Rittenberg this morning – can initiate its own investigation under the sportsmanship policy. Which, again, this whole time I thought the Big Ten was investigating it to begin with. (laughs) So, no new news, but I still feel like there's another shoe to drop here. What more could we possibly learn now, right? I mean, my gosh. What more, what more could we possibly learn that hasn't already been embarrassing or frustrating about this whole process right now for Michigan fans.
1: Yeah, I guess just a direct line of communication that's traceable from uh you know Harbaugh the coaching staff to Stallions. If they could find that, then look out.
0: I don't understand the Washington Post had an article on this and it, it was interesting that they're there was an outside law firm that somehow had ac- had acquired this Michigan manifesto. Again, I go back to my original take. Everyone's really mad about this. So let me tell you how I can deduce that. Everyone is really mad because everyone's turning over every piece of evidence that they have. Yeah. Everyone's turn. I mean, there is nobody that's like, yeah, I, I don't. And Matt Rule was the only guy that kind of said, well, you know, they haven't really talked to me yet, so. Everyone has turned over everything. What's it, uh, how's it been received in Michigan country? Sorry, or or, excuse me, in Iowa country, Josh.
1: Uh, I don't know that it has been received uh, in Mm. Iowa country yet. Mm. Still very upset about replays and
0: Uh, the family business. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. All right, big story number three. Number three. Monday night, Thursday night football tonight, we get Baker. Baker and the boys versus the Buffalo Bills. I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but kind of must-win territory for the Bills. I know that's very overly dramatic, Josh, in week nine of this, our week eight of the season. But Bills got a little bit embarrassed last week. They're three and one at home so far this season.
1: They're a nine and
0: a half point favorite tonight. Prime, of course, will have the uh the broadcast, but what do you make of the Bucks and the Bills? Any
1: any feel, any buzz on this one? Don't you think the Bills are going to bounce back and play well?
0: Bucks did not play well last week. Bucks can't run the football. You want to find some teams that are struggling? Buccaneers, Saints, Raiders, teams that can't run the football. Bills will try to do so tonight. Um, do you think We'll see a massive trade this weekend. Names to keep an eye on. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Do you, um, Derek Henry is a name that's been brought up quite a bit, Saquon Barkley. Do you think we see a massive move ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline?
1: I would bet, yeah, there's at least one One pretty healthy trade, and I wouldn't put it past your Raiders to move on from Adams.
0: Well, I feel the same way, but whenever I saw that some people feel like the most they can get in return is a second-round pick, that's where I was like, ah, let's see if we can make this work you gave up a first a second and a, th- and a basic but one two three right the first second and a third and and you're gonna get a second out pick back i mean we're not the 49ers speaking of the 49ers it looks like sam darnold will be the guy for them this weekend have you seen the video of the shot that brock purdy took
1: <laughs>
0: no oh dude it is brutal he's um He's trying to get an extra yard, right? He's fighting for an extra yard, and literally just gets destroyed by someone coming in like a missile.
1: Oh yeah, so, I, I just watched it.
0: Did you? Okay. So before that that shot, before that shot, Brock Purdy was nineteen of twenty four for two hundred and fifty two yards and a touchdown, and at a passer rating of one twenty four. After that shot, Josh. Two of six for 20 yards and two picks.
1: Yeah, do you think he was concussed?
0: They said that he started having symptoms, concussion-like symptoms, on the flight home. And at that moment, they were like, something's wrong here. Yeah. So I, I absolutely do. Absolutely do. Uh, meanwhile, been a minute. We haven't had a good Tyreek Hill injury update, but here's what Tua had to say about it.
1: You know, you, you can't sleep on. You know, if we couldn't have Tyreek, that would be, you know, tough, but... The show goes on. you got to continue to play, and uh, somewhere down the line, we're going to get Tyreek back, and, you know, it has to be one of those things where you never lift your foot off the gas and you don't lose that rhythm as a team or as a unit. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So no Tyreek Hill. Dolphins are so getting beat this weekend by the Patriots, aren't they? (laughs) Patriots are going to scheme something up to where they're going to beat Miami if Tyreek Hill can't go. All right, so there's a couple of NFL notes, which leads us to big story number two. Number two. Pretty, pretty dominating opener for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Wait for it. Kitty gets it up. The right side line to Shea. Slithering baseline. Denied penetration by Caruso. Steps back. Fires the rainbow three to Thinga Thunder Moneyball. Oh, Shea rises and delivers a (laughs) trade. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. When he said, oh, Shea, I went into a little bit of fight or flight there, Josh. Now, I know. I know Matt Pinto's a legend, and I know that he is one of the best at his craft, if not the best. But any time you hear someone go, oh, you're like, oh!
1: Fight or flight, yes, on the radio. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: And then in a a game that was really tight to like two and a half quarters, Thunder pulled away. Where they were an underdog tonight found a way in resounding fashion to win the game going away against the Bulls, 124-104. Are you apt to take the over or the under on Toby's 81-and-a-half win total for the Thunder on the season? <laughs> Tough, mean, uh, right?
1: Yeah, it is challenging. But that uh, that was an impressive opener, man. The, the really way was. that, uh, what, it was a one-point game, I think, with three minutes left in the third. And then from that point, obviously, they, they raced away from home and had the, the you know, what? Three straight made threes to start the fourth quarter. And Shea just Alexander, again, continues to just do superstar things. So let's see more from this team. But uh, it looks like it's the makings of, yes, Oklahoma City perhaps getting back into the, the postseason on a regular basis.
0: I'm trying to stay somewhat calm, cool, and collected on this because I know I'm not trying to fall into that trap. But. I think Sam Presti did it again. I think he did it again. I think Casey Wallace is an absolute stud.
1: Yeah, he played great he last night. He was perfect. Oh, oh, my gosh.
0: My goodness. So I don't know if that means it's been fun seeing you here in OKC, Lou Dort. Um, best of luck down the road. But he really did. J was awesome last night. Hey, fun. This is a fun team. We're going to have a fun time watching him, talking about him. Uh, as the season progresses. But 124-104 Friday night, they'll play the Cavaliers. Gets us to big story number one. Number one.
1: Number one.
0: Number one. Oh. There'll be a time for that, Josh. There'll be a time for the NBA, but right now we're all about the Sooners and Kansas. The um, the Sooners have scored at least 34 points in each of their last 14 games against Kansas. It is the longest such streak in school history against a single opponent. And it's the second longest streak nationally against one opponent since 1996. Now, whomever dug up that nugget, Mike Houck, bravo. Bravo. But is it fair to say, Josh, in this consistently one-sided series, This might be one of the matchups that's a little bit more concerning based on a couple of things, right? Number one, weather concerns. Number two, it's a really good Kansas football team. And number three, sold-out crowd, as was announced today. So there's – I saw someone asking for the percentage of OU fans versus Kansas fans. I think there'll be a lot of Kansas fans there. I mean, I – I don't think it's going to be like a 50-50 split or anything. I think OU fans will be loud, and there will be a lot of them there. But I am – Kansas fans will show out. They are – they're all about being on the bandwagon of a good football team, and I've got no problem with it. But this is is an interesting matchup. This is a concerning matchup on Saturday for the Sooners. And when we come back, we'll go a little bit more in-depth on what the coaches – Position coaches Jay Vali and Joe John Finley told us that they're concerned about when it comes to the Kansas Jayhawks. Plus, Josh. Plus, I've got a story for you in the final thoughts. You know, yesterday we brought up the coin toss with Baker Mayfield from 2017. Played the audio from it. We both sat a little bit in fear about what was being said in the background, uh, but I think we survived it. I think we were good. But I'm reminded of the weirdness of the game, not just in 2017. But Shep went on a little Twitter thread about this. The game last time we went to Lawrence was weird as all get out. Strange things happen when we go to Lawrence, man. We'll remind you and dive into it more in depth next right here on the ref. Welcome back into the Plank show right here on the Home of Sooner fans. It's the ref with Josh. I'm Plank. You um You got any big plans for the game Saturday? Is is it kind of you're having to monitor a little bit of everything in the Big Twelve and the Big Ten, so you don't get to truly go to watch parties or anything, right?
1: I could, uh, I could this week. Matter of fact, uh, it's I've got a Halloween party later that oh. night, so okay, okay. Still mapping out the uh, final costume there.
0: Boy, you're really cutting that one close. It's yeah. Thursday of game well, week. Well,
1: we we have a, a lousy suggestion, like we. <laughs> We have these like I don't think it, I don't think any of my the friends of this party are listening so I think I can say but we have these like Harry Potter scarves and these like cheap plastic wands it'd Not be a bad the worst idea. it'd be the worst costume of all time
0: Not a bad idea
1: but that is that is a f- fail-safe option that is uh, on the table
0: Josh I don't hate it I don't hate it You do realize. Uh, you do realize once you uh Halloween takes a very weird shift in your life at some point because when I was your age and younger, well, I guess a little younger, Halloween was was the night. Like that was the party night. You had fun, you hung out with your buddies, and someone had a party, and it was just it was always a good time, right? And then when you have kids, it it becomes all about the trick or treating. And there's some people that have cool wives that let them still have fun. That's fine. But it really, to me, I've spent so much money on Halloween costumes for these kids, Josh. You have no idea. They they
1: wear them once, and it's over.
0: And it's gone. I mean, go to Kmart, buy a bag that has a freaking Halloween costume in it, or the stores that pop up. Do you see the CVS on Flood is now a, a Halloween store? Or the RIP CVS on Flood? It's not a Halloween store. Those things just pop up overnight.
1: Do you, do you get photos done or anything? I mean, I like nowadays. Nah. It's like take a picture with your phone.
0: That's right. That's you, right.
1: You don't have like a big, uh, uh, portfolio or anything of photos at home. Nah.
0: No. Now listen. On either one of our phones, there a is apps. Right. There is there is a an album of all the different Halloween costumes. That our girls have gone through. But basically for this year, for this year, Josh, everyone is being Taylor Swift.
1: I mean, and Travis Kelsey. Right. That's, you know what? That's, Bro, the, that's just, the the costume.
0: You just got me my, my Halloween costume. There we go. If both of my girls are doing something Taylor Swift-ish, then me going as Travis Kelsey would be perfect. I'll put him in a Raiders jersey. Then that way, maybe someday I'll have some success on the field. Dress, can't uh, even say this a joke.
1: Dress as Jackson Mahomes and do some TikTok dances, and you can be the. That'd be be fitting because uh, Taylor wants nothing to do with Jackson Mahomes.
0: Did you notice whenever he was trying to get in on their little celebration oh, oh, dance? They she's had. She's like, I-, I got a PR no, no, situation I,
1: going on here. I'm not messing around with you.
0: Not you. So yeah, happy Halloween, everybody. So I was on an Alabama radio station yesterday with our buddy Ryan Fowler. And Ryan asked me a question that I wanted to pose to you guys, and I've waited until 11.30 for some reason to bring it up, but it's been a very busy show. I had to complain about the cost of Halloween costumes. Um, Ryan asked me if I was surprised at OU being 7-0. and And I I thought about it for like a millisecond, and I said no. But then I thought about it a little bit longer and I said kinda. And then I thought about it a little bit longer and I said no. So here was my <laughs> so here was my explanation and you tell me if you're surprised they're 7 and 0. If Oklahoma was anything other than 5 and 0 going into the Texas game, something really bad had happened. I love my alma mater. But OU would have had no business losing any of its non-conference games, even though SMU is, as we've seen, a pretty good football team. You had Arkansas State, SMU, and Tulsa. We joked about it all offseason, but, Josh, it was true. If anything other than 3-0 happened, we got problems. You opened up Big 12 play with what appeared to be a challenging Cincinnati team, right? But Luke Fickle had moved on. We were all impressed with what we saw from their defense, but still a loss there would have been...
1: Not a good sign. Not good. Unless Cincinnati was, and same for Iowa State, who we'll get to in a moment, unless they were markedly better than what the offseason prognosis was, which, oh, by the way, Iowa State improving, but they're still not.
0: So my baseline expectation through seven weeks was six and one with that only loss maybe being to texas and if you had lost somewhere else you made up for it by beating texas right my 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 baseline bottom of the bottom barrel betting is what i think bernie fratto calls it my bottom barrel expectations 5-2 Five and two are six and one, and much more six and one. I hadn't even thought of five and two after seven, Josh. Especially whenever they finished non-con three and zero, oh, and in the way that they did it. So, my point was, it's awesome, but I guess maybe the surprise would be not just in that they beat Texas, but how they beat them. You know, if they would have lost that game, I would have been in shock with the way that they controlled it. They needed a last-minute drive to save what was a fourth-quarter rally. Whenever the the special teams had let them down, but Josh Helmer, I don't know how to like explain the way that I feel. Whenever the words that are coming out of my mouth, I don't I don't know because I'm saying ah, they're seven and zero, so yeah, a little bit surprised, but my baseline expectation was six and one so can you really say you're surprised if a six and one team is seven and oh and maybe even six and one was being overly optimistic right but am i crazy for maybe going ah you know i'm not really all that surprised
1: yeah i'm not either i'm not either because again as you just laid out the expectation was you would beat everybody not named Texas. Right. So basically what you've done is do what you're supposed to do. And in our minds or other people's minds that are Sooner fans, maybe you also did what you were supposed to do, which is go beat Texas, which you've done for the better part of uh, this past quarter century. And yet that would be the one game, right, where okay. it's, you know there was an expectation that maybe you wouldn't do that. Uh, surprise with how much the defense – has uh, has made the jump. But even then, there was the track record for Brent Venables that we talked about a year ago. Concern coming into this season, of course, right? Because you can we can talk hypotheticals and we can have anticipation or belief that the roster has changed and gotten better, but seeing is believing, right? And what we saw wasn't good, and yet Brent Venables had this track record coming to Oklahoma from his time at Clemson where year one was not very good for Mm -hmm. he and Clemson defensively year two markedly better year three. They were the top defense nationally. So there was a track record there to believe without seeing that that was going to happen this year. But that would be the one area where, okay, I'll entertain a little bit of surprise with just how much growth, how quickly they've made defensively.
0: Correct. There you go. I, I go back to, I was thinking about this a lot driving in today are driving over here to Cavens. We're at Cavens Group on a Thursday. Uh, Camavens? Cavens Emergency Response. Water, fire, mold. A lot of water with all the rain. We got you covered here at Cavens Group. If you have any issues, 405-573-3048. I was thinking about something Brent Venable said right around Big 12 media days and how everyone was clowning him for it. Brent Venable said if our defense can just be a little bit better, just a little bit better, we're going to win championships. You know, it's just a little bit better. And it's wild to think how everyone's like, oh, really? Really? That's all it takes is a little bit. You think you're going to beat Texas? Oh, I'm a nerd. I got my college football podcast. I'm going to tell you that I'm not picking you. So you heard that, and everyone kind of guffawed about it. But isn't it wild, Josh, how it's not just a little bit better that this defense has been? And where this team is now based on that more than incremental improvement that they've made.
1: And and the beautiful thing is there's still a ways for them to go defensively. A lot. You know, some of the past uh, breakdowns at times have not been altogether great. The uh, run defense early in the game versus Iowa state was, was not great. So, and I'm, you know, look, expecting perfection is a ridiculous thing that's not going to happen teams have power five guys too and right. they've got a mark on you right they, you got a target on your back so expecting perf- perfection is of course a ridiculous aim and yet oklahoma can be better defensively
0: 405-651-3439 when we come back we'll hit your texts before our final thoughts on a thursday from Cavens, right here on the home of fans Boy, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is a hoppin'. But there is one little tidbit of breaking news that just hit involving a sport that is not supported in the SEC. There is not wrestling in the SEC, which is wild to me. So uh, moments ago, it was announced that OU's wrestling program will remain in the Big 12 as an affiliate member. The announcement followed a vote by the Big 12 Conference's governance group, which consists of presidents and ADs. So, starting July 1st, 2024, the Big 12's wrestling membership will include legacy programs, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia, and what's called affiliate programs, Air Force, Northern Colorado, North Dakota State, Northern Iowa, South Dakota State, Utah Valley, and Wyoming, as well as... Arizona State was the conference newcomer. So I I feel like, you know, in some way, shape, or form, we've received questions throughout the last two years. What's going to happen with wrestling? What's going to happen with wrestling? What's going to happen with wrestling? Well, there you go. Good news. All right, to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, Cody writes, since OU doesn't go to Lubbock this year, you know that Lawrence will be double weird.
1: <laughs> Cody like uh, Cody also would like uh Tommy Walker is gonna crack, boom, and bang as the football game goes along.
0: Can I put myself in the group that really likes the Ta Wee 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 all the way home? Ta wee 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 home. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I love it. Suitors. That was great. Uh, from the 580. How much better has Coach V become as a head coach in managing the game? It seems he's improved a lot. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to our one of Tuesday's show. If you go to our podcast page at kref.com or if you search KREF, however you consume podcasts, Our first hour on Tuesday, Josh, we really went in depth on it. And I'm trying to, as much as we talk about running backs and as much as we talk about coaches, I try not to repeat too many topics around here. But I will say, it's well worth, I went back and even listened in some of the notes that you brought, and some of the things that we brought up and listening to coach talk. It's, I think, some good perspective on where you've seen that growth. Coach Venables has embraced certain angles of the analytics. The foundation never changed, but there were some changes in certain approaches. And I just think that, you know, it helps having two guys right there on the sidelines in Seth Luttrell and Matt Wells. Uh, Not my brother-in-law, Matty Walls, (laughs) uh, but Matt Wells that have been through those battles and can help you. I think it's really... I think you've seen Brent grow astronomically as a head coach. And I don't ever want to see a time where Brent Venables isn't around the defensive huddle, Josh. I just – I think that's always going to be in his DNA, as it should. But I do think it'll be interesting over the next few years how, you know, Coach Stoops, whenever he took over in 99, uh, as much as, you know, Coach immediately went into that CEO role, right, he was still – When you go back and you watch some of those tapes in 2000, he's right there on the defense and special teams in the off. So I wonder is, you know, Coach Venables even talked about it a bit on Monday. He goes, you know, in my defensive coordinator days, I'd just be mad all the time because all I had to focus on was the defense and they need to be better. He goes, but now, you know, you got to pull back a little bit and you see, hey, it's pretty good. That's going good. So it's really – it's been cool. I think – I'm glad you guys are noticing it because we spent so much time this offseason, Josh, talking about clock management, timeout usage, and to see the way that Coach Venables has approached it this year, it's really it's really reassuring.
1: Well, there's a confidence, too, in each unit that you put out on the field. I don't even, maybe at times it was, the head spinning a little bit, for uh, Brent Venables as a head coach in terms of the game management stuff. But, Mm -hmm. again, I I point out this little nugget uh, every time we have this conversation, the the confidence that you can burn those timeouts, still get a stop, you're not just saving time for your opponent, and then you can drive down the field. You you believe in this defensive unit. You trust it. You trust this offense to not go make a a back-breaking mistake at the wrong time. So, some of that. I do think there's just been general growth. I I wouldn't say that there hasn't. But uh, I do also think that it's the holistic belief here in uh, everything going on with Oklahoma and each specific unit.
0: This This is a really, really good question because I don't know if we're quite there yet. But Jeff from OKC writes, OU beats Kansas. What are your best results in the other games this weekend for OU's rides? Who do Sooner fans need to root for? So, you know, we we have our rooting guide that Josh and I and Gabe helps out well, that we put together. We would call it the Big 12 rooting guide. But Josh, I I don't know if we're quite there yet. I would say call me crazy, but I don't think Georgia losing is good for OU yet because we know what would happen if Florida beats Georgia, right? Suddenly, it's look at look at Florida now that they've got their guys healthy. They might have two losses, but it was it's a different team now. So you, I think you kind of want Georgia to take care of business, and that, I you need Texas to keep winning. Now, you know, I don't need Texas laying an egg against BYU. And you know what? Honestly, let's not let Oregon get a second wind here. Let's let Oregon lose to Utah. So those would really be the three games. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think Florida beating Georgia. I mean, because suddenly then people would add Florida into this conversation as a two-loss team, and I don't think we want that. And Georgia wouldn't dip that far either, unless they got routed, which I just don't think is going to happen.
1: Prior to the playoff, my rooting guide is uh, Oklahoma in the next six games. But if I have to play along with the the hypothetical – I think yeah, you, you probably to some degree it, it helps you a little bit. If uh, I mean, I think there's a scenario where both OU and Texas get in. Now, I do too. that requires some other teams falling by the wayside along the way, which would play into to your thought there. Utah beats Oregon, boom, now they're out. Sure, right? Utah somewhere down the road stumbles again. Now you got two uh, other Pac-12 teams out. Washington incurs a loss at uh, some point somewhere, and uh, you know probably. You know, Wisconsin, I don't think that they have a shadow of a chance versus Ohio State, but if they could hand Ohio State a loss, it would be good. I mean, some Mm -hmm. of these other undefeated teams just taking losses.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, And then one more. uh, Well, actually, a couple quick ones here before we get to our final thoughts. We talked about both you and I as this week has progressed – Maybe looking at it as, all right, these running backs have been a bit of an issue, right? Maybe we start looking at it more where you point the finger at the backs.
1: Yeah, there's there's only so long you could say, well, the offensive line needs to be better. It's, sure. Yeah, there needs to be some culpability there for sure.
0: 918, the harsh truth is that our running backs just haven't played at an elite level. I'm, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, for the 405, there has to be some consistency at running back. Shuffling backs in and out makes it difficult to have a consistent run game. Um, here's here's a couple. <laughs> one said one said Marcus Major couldn't walk through an open door. The other says it doesn't help that Major is so bad he makes Eric Gray look like Barry Sanders. Hey, guys, Eric Gray had a top 10 season for rushing yards in Oklahoma football history. Can you stop the hate. Overrated. It's overrated. I mean pff, I could have run through those holes. Uh and then Johnny from Yukon, don't forget that Sawchuck broke the last T D for thirty yards. True. Maybe this shakes the rest off him and we see bull game version, Gavin Sawchuk. You know, that goes back to what I don't know why I'm sitting here pounding on the table so much, but that goes back to what Joe John Finley said whenever we asked him about Gavin Sawchuck, right? When we asked Joe John about Gavin Sawchuck, he's like, Hey man, let's remember the guy hasn't played a lot of football. You know, last year in the bowl game was really the first time that he saw a lot of action. Yeah, I know we're running close on time, Josh. I'll play it when we come back for final thoughts. How's that sound? Sounds great to me. There's some defense to be made for one Gavin Sawchuck. We'll do it next right here on The Ref. All right, let's hustle. We got two things for our Primrose Funeral Services final thoughts. All right, Primrose Funeral Services. We've thoroughly enjoyed their partnership, primrosefuneralservices.com. Final thoughts. You ready?
1: sorry i had to push out, some yes. buttons but yes i am no, no
0: no 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 my bad my bad my bad all right first of all we we talked about gavin Sawchuk. hopefully seeing a breakout game from gavin here was some good perspective on gavin Sawchuk from joe john finley
1: think about gavin Sawchuk. you know we all think he's this
0: veteran you know he played in the bowl game last year and he's played that was really the biggest action he's seen this year and so i think he just you know he got going later in the game i think he just got comfortable and more comfortable as the game went on and and just like any running back, you get into a rhythm and, and you start you start feeling it and, and uh, you're going to play better, especially a guy like him. Who's, you know, he's he's so tough and smart at the same time that he's going to figure it out as, as the game gets going. So hopefully he can build off of that. Good news, right? Good news. And then there's this. Whoever sent this to me, thank you. I'm very grateful for <laughs> it. Ryan Wingo five-star wide receiver out of st louis missouri the 314 baby he had his commitment ceremony yesterday his dad is
1: interviewed first then him he made the decision he thought was right but are you aware that there could be ramifications people locally they're going to be really ticked off and we know how crazy college fans can be
0: signing day december the 20th you never know what can happen day December twenty, you just never know what can happen by them.
1: So you're saying you'll ex- still accept Mizzou's recruitment?
0: Yes, sir. all right right?
1: Yes, sir, for sure. I mean, I was. I mean, I, I mean, I obviously accept it. Um, but like I said, I'm locked in with Texas right now, so you know it is. I mean, obviously they can recruit me still, but I'm locked in with Texas right now, so. Yes, right? You're you saying it it? it's etched in stone? Um, kind, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it, it is. Um, but, like I said, if they still want to recruit me, I'm not going to turn them down just because they've been recruiting for so long.
0: Imagine being at a signing day press conference and you've just committed somewhere. Ah, <laughs> Dad said it's long hey, time away. Signing day is November 20th. <laughs> like, what are we doing right now? So, you say
1: that there's a chance. Absolutely.
0: Sure. Sir, sure. That's from Frank Cusamano in the St. Right Louis. Price, yeah. primrosefuneralservices.com those are our final thoughts call them at 405-321-6000 thanks to gary and the crew here at Cavens for having us out steel man and thune at noon next right here on the raft